Bringing you the latest in tax credit news, this is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratty. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Nipogratic, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, September 16, 2014. I'll begin this week with an update on the status of tax extenders legislation and the likely timing for consideration. I will also give a brief preview of a Senate Finance Committee hearing scheduled for tomorrow that will examine renewable energy tax policy. Then, I'll discuss some proposed changes to interagency guidance about the Community Reinvestment Act. In our New Markets Tax Credit section, I'll remind listeners about the upcoming allocation application deadline for the 2014 NMTC round. I will also talk about a bill introduced in Ohio to decouple state tax credits, like the Ohio NMTC, from their federal counterparts to allow them to remain usable in the event those federal counterparts aren't renewed. In our historic tax credit segment, I'll review some of the many extensive updates that are included in the just-published 2014 Novogratic Historic Rehabilitation Handbook. Considering all that's been happening in the historic rehabilitation community in the past few years, I'm sure that listeners have a bit of an idea of just how much new ground the 2014 edition covers. In our local housing tax credit section, I update listeners on congressional support for legislation to permanently extend the 9% LIHTC rate floor, and create a new 4% floor. I'll also wrap up today with our Renewable Energy Tax Credit segment, where I'll discuss how the prospect of a PTC extension is factoring into a midterm election race in North Dakota. And I'll share insights about the size of the solar energy market, as reported by GTM Research and the Solar Energy Industries Association. If you're ready, let's get started. In an encouraging trend, key Republican lawmakers predicted last week that Congress will renew expired and expiring tax provisions, commonly called tax extenders, near the end of the year. Senate Finance Committee Ranking Member Orrin Hatch told an audience at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce on September 11th that the Senate would take up an extenders package after the November 4th elections. He's reported to have said that he's confident that tax extenders would be addressed and that it would likely be done during the upcoming lame duck session. The day before, on September 10th, House Ways and Means Committee Chairman Dave Camp told attendees at a business roundtable event that he, too, believed the lame duck session would produce approval for a tax extenders package. A leading Democrat made a similar pledge earlier this month. On September 4th, Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid told an audience at the National Clean Energy Summit 7.0 that he intends to push for legislation that would extend the Renewable Energy Production Tax Credit, or PTC, and other renewable energy incentives before the end of the year. Most expectations are that Reed will address the PTC with the tax extenders during the lame session of Congress. None of these remarks mention specific legislation, but there is general speculation that lawmakers could revive the stalled extenders package known as the Expire Act. You may recall that the Senate Finance Committee approved the Expire Act in April with a bipartisan vote, 
but a dispute over amendments on the Senate floor put the bill on hold. The Expire Act contains important provisions related to the Long Convincing Tax Credit, New Markets Tax Credit, Renewable Energy Production Tax Credit, and Investment Tax Credit. On the other hand, it's also possible that Congress could create a new package of tax extender provisions when it reconvenes after the elections. And because extenders won't be addressed until after the elections, the makeup of the provisions that are included in the eventual package and other related details will be significantly affected by the outcome of the elections and, more particularly, whether Democrats retain control of the Senate. There is an expectation that the House will continue to push for some of their extender legislation, or I should say permanency legislation, be included as part of an overall extenders package. Tune in to future podcasts and follow me on Twitter to stay informed as we learn more in the coming weeks. In related news, the Senate Finance Committee is scheduled to hold a hearing tomorrow, Wednesday, September 17th, entitled Reforming America's Outdated Energy Tax Code. The committee is expected to hear from the following witnesses. Don Nichols, former senator and chairman and CEO of the Nichols Group. Norman Augustine, retired chairman and CEO of Lockheed Martin Corporation. Dr. Gilbert Metcalf, a professor of economics at Tufts University. Ethan Zindler, the head of policy analysis at Bloomberg New Energy Finance and a prior Novograd and Company Renewable Energy Attachment Conference keynote speaker. And David Kreutzer, a research fellow in energy economics and climate change at the Center for Data Analysis of the Heritage Foundation. I'll report on any relevant developments from the hearing in next week's podcast. Turning to regulatory news, last week, the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency and related agencies invited public comment on proposed revisions to their interagency questions and answers regarding community reinvestment. The agency used the Q&A document to provide additional guidance on the Community Reinvestment Act, or CRA. The notice says the revised guidance addresses questions that have been raised by bankers, community organizations, and others regarding CRA regulations. Among other things, the proposed new and revised CRA questions and answers clarify guidance about economic development, provide examples of community development loans and activities that are considered to revitalize or stabilize an underserved non-metropolitan middle-income geography, and they clarify how community development services are evaluated. Now, there are three specific changes that I want to discuss today. First, the revised guidance says the Federal Financial Institutions Examination Council will presume that any economic loan or an investment in a community development entity, or CDE, will get CRA credit. This could make it easier to incentivize more leveraged loans and new market tax credit investing entities. Second, the proposed changes would give CRA consideration for loans made to borrowers to finance developments in low-income areas that use renewable energy or energy efficiency technologies. The notice says that members of the CRA community commented that examiners don't always give consideration for developments or initiatives that incorporate these kinds of green components because the concept isn't specifically addressed in either the CRA regulations or the questions and answers. In the notice, the agencies concur that loans that enable energy initiatives that help to reduce the cost of operating or maintaining affordable housing even if the benefit to the residents is indirect, qualify for consideration as community development loans. Third, 
The revised guidance would classify affordable mortgage lending activities that use alternative methods of assessing a borrower's creditworthiness as an example of an innovative and flexible lending practice. The National Council of State Housing Agency says this will allow large finance institutions to get credit for supporting programs when being examined by CRA compliance as long as the program proves to be effective. Again, these are just some of the changes proposed in the revised Q&A document. The regulatory agencies will accept public comment on the revised guidance until November 10th. The complete notice can be found online at www.novaco.com. Simply click on the CRA Resource Center button. And if you have any additional questions, please reach out to Peter Lawrence in our Washington, D.C. office. In New America Tax Credit News, a quick note about the application deadline for this round of New Market Tax Credit allocations is less than two weeks away. The Notice of Allocation Availability for the calendar year 2014 allocation application round, as we all know, made $5 billion in tax credit authority available. That $5 billion, of course, is pending congressional authorization. And under the 2014 NOAA, Notice of Allocation Availability, applications are due October 1st. Now, as a reminder, the CDFI Fund will accept questions concerning the application until 5 p.m. Eastern Time on September 29th. And if you have any questions about the application process, please send an email to cpas at novaco.com. In other New Market Task Credit news, I have an update from the state of Ohio. Ohio House Bill 601, introduced by Representative Peter Beck, would allow state tax credits to function even if their federal counterparts expire. Now, the bill covers a number of tax incentives, but I want to focus on how it would affect the state's new markets tax credit. Now, in case you're not familiar with the Ohio New Market Tax Credit, it provides a credit equal to 39% of the qualified equity investment made, and the state New Market Tax Credit has a seven-year period, just like its federal counterpart, and the Ohio New Market Tax Credit Program operates under a $10 million annual cap with an individual transaction cap of $1 million. House Bill 601 is relevant for Tax Credit Tuesday listeners because if, if enacted, the bill's provisions would decouple the state tax credit from the federal New Market Tax Credit. Currently, to receive Ohio State New Market Tax Credit, an investment must also have received federal New Market Tax Credits. As you know, the federal new market tax credit has expired. And even though industry experts expect that the federal new market tax credit will be extended during a lame duck session of Congress later this year, community development advocates in Ohio want to ensure that the state new market tax credit remains functional in absence of a federal extension. If passed into law, the bill would become effective immediately. House Bill 601 was introduced July 28th and is yet to be assigned to a committee. A copy of the bill can be found online at www.newmarketscredits.com. And if you have questions working with the Ohio New Market Tax Credit, simply contact my partner, John Shreddy, in our Dover, Ohio office at 330-365-5400. This week, more than 300 historic rehabilitation professionals will gather in Chicago for the Novogratz Historic Tax Credit Conference. If you're already registered, there's still time to join us. For more information, go to www.novaco.com events. And if you aren't able to join us, please note that the event will be available 
online. More specifically, Novogratik is providing a recording of the conference's panel discussions that will be available after the conference on CD-ROM or as online streaming audio. In the meantime, I have some exciting news to share. As listeners know, the historic rehabilitation community has seen significant changes in the past few years. Novogratik and Company has been tracking and analyzing these changes so we can provide you with the most up-to-date information as well as the time-tested best practices for rehabilitating properties with historic tax credit. To that end, I'm pleased to announce the release of the 2014 Novogratik Historic Rehabilitation Handbook. Among its numerous updates, the 2014 edition features extensive coverage of RevProc 2014-12 and Safe Harbor Guidelines. The 2014 edition provides more important new information on definition of qualified expenditures, recapture rules, treatment of Section 50D income, general rehabilitation requirements, information on state historic tax credits, the interaction between partnership tax basis and Section 704B partnership allocation considerations, and needless to say, there's much, much more. This book's contents have been significantly expanded and they feature entire chapters devoted to ownership structures, including lease pass-throughs, partnership splits, and exit strategies, partnership allocation and the economic substance doctrine, tax-exempt entities, both as owners and as tenants, developer fees, including qualifying services, reasonableness of fees, deferred developer fees, as well as combining historic tax credits with other tax credits, including new market tax credits, local housing tax credits, and renewable energy tax credits. And as always, we've included real-world examples and charts demonstrating how the principles apply. This updated and significantly expanded book is available for purchase online. Simply go to www.novico.com products. And if you have any questions about the book, send an email to products at novico.com. Let's turn now to the low-income housing tax credit. I have good news about a bill we've been tracking for you since it was introduced by House Select Revenues Measures Subcommittee Chairman Pat Tiberi back in May. Now, if passed, H.R. 4717 would create a 9% local tax rate floor for new affordable housing developments. The bill would also establish a fixed 4% rate floor for acquisition costs associated with allocated low-income tax credit developments. Supporters of the bill, myself included, note that 9% and 4% credit rate floors provide more certainty in the marketplace and that helps encourage private investment in affordable housing. Now, the bill has gained several co-sponsors this month, and we want to name them here as a way of showing our thanks. Bill Foster, a Democrat from Illinois, Joyce Beatty, a Democrat from Ohio, Stephen Lynch, a Democrat from Massachusetts, Vern Buchanan, a Republican from Florida, Elijah Cummings, a Democrat from Maryland, Keith Ellison, a Democrat Farmer Labor Party member from Minnesota, Mike Quigley, a Democrat from Illinois, and Michael Mashad, a Democrat from Maine. This brings the total number of bipartisan co-sponsors to 61 at the time of this recording. Now, the bill is currently in the House Ways and Means Committee, and I think we all know that an extension of the low tax rate floor will likely only be part of a larger bill passed as part of the tax extenders legislation that I discussed earlier in today's podcast. It is important 
and encouraging, though, that so many lawmakers on both sides of the aisle are demonstrating their support of these provisions by signing on to this bill. You can find the text of H.R. 4717 and information about co-sponsors at our Affordable Housing Resource Center at www.taxcredithousing.com. And if you have any questions about the status of the extension legislation, please feel free to reach out to Peter Lawrence in our Washington, D.C. office. In renewable energy tax credit news, the status of the production tax credit, or PTC, continues to be a central point of discussion. As you may recall, the PTC expired at the end of 2013. This topic made its way into a congressional race this month when a candidate in North Dakota voiced his support for renewing the PTC. North Dakota State Senator George Center issued a press release on September 2nd urging Congress to renew the tax provision. Center is the Democratic nominee for North Dakota's only seat in the House. That seat is currently occupied by Republican Kevin Kramer. I should mention that Kramer opposes extending the PTC. Last month, Kramer joined about 50 other lawmakers in signing a letter to House Speaker John Boehner urging him to keep the tax credit expired. Sinner responded by calling the letter, and I quote, irresponsible. Sinner said that the PTC has been critical in expanding North Dakota's wind industry, noting that more than 15% of the state's energy last year came from wind. Sinner said he supports keeping the PTC in place until renewable energy companies can better compete with other energy sources. Now, if you'd like to learn more about the chances for the PTC to be extended, I invite you to join us in Washington this November. We're hosting the Novogratic Financing and Renewable Energy Conference at the Park Hyatt, Washington, D.C. on November 6th and 7th. Yes, just right after the elections earlier that week on Tuesday. You can register at www.novoco.com events. And if you have any questions, please contact my partner, Tony Grapponi, in our Boston office at 617-330-1920. In other energy news, the United States installed more than 1,100 megawatts of solar energy in the second quarter of 2014, making it the fourth largest quarter for solar installations in the history of the market. This, according to GTM Research and Solar Energy Industries Association's Q2 2014 U.S. Solar Market Insight Report. SCIA President and CEO Ron Resch said in a press release that this growth is due in large part to public policies like the Investment Tax Credit, or ITC. The report found that residential and commercial segments accounted for nearly half of all solar PV installations in the second quarter. The group says that for the year, the residential market has seen the most consistent growth of any segment. In total, photovoltaic and concentrating solar power operating capacity has surpassed 15.9 gigawatts. That's enough to power more than 3.2 million homes. Resch said in the press release that the solar energy industry currently employs 143,000 Americans and contributes nearly $15 billion a year to the United States economy. The report also states that the utility PV segment made up 55% of United States solar installations in the second quarter of this year. SCIA says that in the past two years, the utility segment has quadrupled in size. GTM Research and SCIA forecast that 6.5 gigawatts of PV 
will be installed in the United States by the end of the year. This would be a 36% increase over 2013 production levels. To learn more about the report, go to www.scia.org. To learn more about using the ITC to finance renewable energy developments, contact my partner, Stephen Tracy, at 415-356-8000. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. Join me again next week for another Tax Credit Tuesday. This is Michael Novogratik, and I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived discussions are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogratik and Company, LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.